This is an Our Savior Evangelical Free Church podcast. To learn more, visit osefc.org. We are going to be in Proverbs this morning, and so let's transition into the preaching of God's Word. If you have a Bible, open it to Proverbs. We're going to be in verse 20, or uh, sorry, chapter 20, and then we're going to be in chapter 31. So what you should do is you should put one finger in 20, one finger in 31, probably just a few pages apart, and you should keep them both there because we'll be flipping back and forth a little bit, and then we'll be a few other places. So as we get into the book of Proverbs, just a little recap. Proverbs has two basic parts. The first nine chapters establish what wisdom, which is the major, major theme of Proverbs, what wisdom is. And you can summarize Proverbs teaching on wisdom by saying that wisdom is learning to fear the Lord. Another way that we've said that is, is that wisdom is learning to live in the right order. That order begins with the grandeur and the greatness of God, his supremacy, and then wisdom, first and foremost, is learning to live under God. And if we're not starting there, then whatever we do after that is going to feel out of place. God is great and supreme as the creatures we live under his supremacy. If that's not in the right order, nothing else can be. So all of our lives are lived under him and in worship and glorification to him. And so it's worship in here and our lives are worship out there. When we get in our cars and we drive home, we don't stop worshiping. We keep worshiping. Might do it in a little bit different way, but it's still worship. So here's how worship works. It's not the worshiper who sets the terms. It's the one being worshipped who sets them. People, all of us, are created in the image of God with him as our creator. And things get out of order when the creation tries to set the terms for worship. This is actually why we give so much of our time in worship to doing what we're doing right now. Teaching and preaching the word of God. We believe that the Bible is God's revelation to us. He tells us what he's like. And then second, he tells us how to rightly worship him. And this is, what, this is what the whole Bible does, but Proverbs is a great microcosm of the whole thing. Proverbs says that true worship happens when we humble ourselves under him. And it says that God is glorified and we walk in obedience to him. Humble ourselves under him, walk in obedience before him. So the second part of Proverbs, that's the first part, establishes the right order. The second part says, when you fear the Lord, this is how you will live doing things that you do all the time, day to day. So we work through, when we did, as we've been doing Proverbs, we work through the first part basically chapter by chapter. And we're not going to do that with the second part of the book. So after chapter 9, 
what we've done is just taken four topics. They come up a lot in our lives, and what we've just tried to do is just kind of summarize what is the Proverbs teaching on these four topics. Last week was money. We talked about the, the foolishness of greed and really the wisdom of generosity. Uh, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to look at what Proverbs says about being a follower, learning, being in the discipline of Jesus Christ. And then we're going to look at how important humility is when pride is such a persistent temptation. That's the last week. Today, our topic is to ask what Proverbs says about being a godly man or a godly woman. So men and women. And to start, I'm just going to read two verses. And I'll kind of apologize in advance. Uh, the nature of, of, of this part of Proverbs is that we're not, like I said, reading large chunks on purpose because that way we can draw out teaching from all over the book. The, the downside is I've got you flipping all over the Bible for that. And, I, and I'm not going to apologize for reading you a lot of Bible verses. So this is kind of like a non-apology apology. But as, 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 as much as I'm able, I'm, I'm sorry about you know, taking you all over the Bible. But that's, it's a non-apology apology, I guess. So Proverbs 20, verse 6. Proverbs 31, verse 30 to start, and then lots of other places. Proverbs 20, verse 6. Many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man who can find. Now, Proverbs 31, verse 30. 31, 30. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Charm is deceitful, beauty is vain. But a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. So here's what both of these verses are praising. A man who's faithful and a woman who fears the Lord. So let's just, let's just start there. Uh, you could say, at a high level, we're asking just simply what a godly man and, and a godly woman is. But, but let's use the words of Proverbs. Let's stick as tightly to them as possible. What makes a faithful man and how does a woman fear the Lord? So those are the two kind of questions that are guiding me this morning. What makes a faithful man? How does a woman fear the Lord? And, and let's just try to answer those questions. I'm going to kind of group them together because I think they're pretty related. Answer them in three parts each. Uh, first, first part, if we're after an understanding of faithful men and God-fearing women, we need to start with who God has created men and women to be. Second, after seeing who we're created to be, how do we fully live that out? And third, what are the promises or the hopes that God gives to us when we are godly men or godly women? Folks, God is, is, is so kind. There's a great promise that will end with given to those who pursue faithfulness and who fear the Lord. So first... We're going to look at how God forms men and women. Second, we'll look at how God calls or, or instructs men and women. And third, what has God promised faithful men and, and women who fear him? 
formed, called, and promised. So first, God forms men and women. If we're, if we're going to understand this, we need to first jump out of the book of Proverbs a little bit. I'm just going to read something for us. And we need to ask and see who God has created people to be. And to do that, you, you have to go back to the book of Genesis. You, you, I say this all the time. All good theology starts in Genesis 1 through 3. Understanding Genesis 1 through 3 is crucial for understanding the rest of the Bible. So in Genesis 1, very first chapter of the Bible, after God has done much of the work of creation, that's how the Bible starts, is with God creating the world, really the universe, and then uh, creating the world and and doing some work in it, he makes a man and a woman. And we're going to pick it up there. I'll just read it to you. This is Genesis 1, 26. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion, over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So there is a rhythm in in Genesis 1. The rhythm is that God creates something, he stands back, he looks at it, and he says this very thing. He says, and God said it was good. You'll read that several times in a row as God works through The pattern of creation. A few verses after this, there's a change though. When he looks at the man and the woman, he says something similar to that, to the refrain that's been throughout the chapter, but different enough that we're supposed to notice it. He says that what he's created in the man and the woman is very good. First time he says very good. And the implication is that he has just made something special. Now now keep in mind what he has just done. He's breathed out stars. That's where the Bible starts. And then there's planets. And then there's our sun. And he's made oceans and the seas, and he's separated them from the land. He's made all kinds of creatures. All of that, he says, that's good. It's good stuff. But then he creates a man and a woman about these people. He says they are very, very good. So the first thing is, if you want to know who you are, what you've been made like, or what you're worth, this is where you start. God has made you something very special. It actually says that you've been made in his image. And then he's given you work. And the work he's given us is the very same kind of work that he does. So if you start at the beginning of Genesis 1, it's all about bringing chaos into order. And shining light where there was darkness. And he gives the man and the woman the same kind of work. He says they will rule. They will bring order order and they will be a blessing to the whole world 
And they're going to do that. God is very clear on this. The Bible is very clear to point this out. They're going to do all that work, not just as people, but specifically as a man and as a woman. Under God as creator, people are made either male or female. And both genders are made in the image of God. And there's a few things that's important for us to to draw out of this when we look at how we were created. If we're talking about being men and women, we have to start here. Uh, The first thing that we need to draw out of this is is that while it might feel recent, it's actually happened at other points in history as well, but there have been periods where men and women have tried to reject the creative work of God, and move outside of the way that he has created and ordered things. So Romans 1 says that's idolatry. And it warns us about the seriousness of that kind of sin. Moving outside of the created order of being made male and female. Romans 1 says it's actually almost the end of idolatry. In other words, of the most serious kind. A second thing that we need to see is that if we're going to rightly understand biblical manhood and womanhood, uh, that has to understand, begin with an understanding that while men and women share much in common, God has distinctively created men and distinctively created women. Both genders are equal in dignity, co-equal in value, But in calling, there are differences between men and women, which is why it's essential as Christians to know the commonalities in being created as people in the image of God and the differences in being made male, female, a man or a woman. So that's where it starts. God forms men and women. And then it brings us into our second second section. What does God call men and women to do and to be? Some things similarly, some things differently. So God's calling now for men and women. Uh, I could go all over the Bible for this. There's so much to say here. Uh, What I'm doing this morning, though, is I'm teaching from Proverbs. Uh, So I'm going to stick only to Proverbs. And and that means I'm going to leave out some really big themes I could say lots and lots, I could, we could go for weeks on themes of biblical manhood and biblical womanhood from all over the scriptures. I get that. Uh, but what I'm, I'm hoping we'll just walk through this morning is to give you a better understanding of what particularly Proverbs says about men and women. So we're, we're concentrating, we're limiting ourselves to Proverbs. So let's start with men. Look at that verse we read earlier, just verse 20. Uh, Sorry, chapter 20, verse 6. One more time, we're going to study this one a little bit. Many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man who can find. What this means is that many men will brag about how loving they are. You could insert lots of braggadocious things here. Men are known for this, right? Hardworking, how smart we are, how brave we are. But what Proverbs says most of the time is that's not real, that's just pride. The insinuation here in this rhetorical question about a faithful man who can find is that there are lots of arrogant blowhards out there. But 
few comparatively truly faithful men. So guys, here's my charge under this verse. I'm speaking to myself just as much as anybody else. Men, let's be among these faithful few. Let's not just say we are. Let's actually be faithful men. So what makes a faithful man? Uh, let, me, let me start my list. I'm going to give you eight more things, but I'm going to start with a big one. And I'll just say it like this. Uh, just about the whole book of Proverbs is about being a godly man. So if you want to know where, where does, where does, what, what kind of specifically does Proverbs have to say, really you can just say the whole book, 31 chapters, there's 31 chapters about being a faithful man. And, and I don't mean that in just some generic sense. This whole book is written primarily and firstly as instruction in training a young man up into godliness. It starts in chapter 1, verse 8. The whole book is this way. It says, hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. This is it. This is the whole point of Proverbs is to speak about this is what it means to be a godly man. It's the father who writes, but both parents are speaking into this young man's life. So that's first. Sort of as a whole, Proverbs is about being a faithful man. Just read the whole thing. Now, here are some more specifics. I could have done like 17 or 18 of these. I chose my favorite eight. Here are some specifics that Proverbs aims specifically at men. You won't get these. If you want them later, email me or something. Work hard and with perseverance. Godly men work hard and with perseverance. Proverbs 6, 6 to 11. Stay far away from temptation. Proverbs 6, 27. Speak honestly of other people. 16, 28. Forgive quickly. 17.9. 17.9. Godly men walk with integrity. Verse after we just read, 20, verse 7. If you have children, teach them to follow the Lord, 22.6. Number seven, godly men are humble. Proverbs 26.12. There's one more I, I want to give you. Uh, But first, I want to tell you how to hear a list like that and just waste it. You can waste that list by trying as hard as you can to follow it without first acknowledging that you'll never be able to do these things well enough. I would even say it's the worst mistake you could make. The very first thing we should do when we hear about godly manhood is do something like the last thing I want to tell you godly men do. And this comes from Proverbs 28.13. Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Brothers, the first thing that godly men do, the thing that actually makes you a godly man, and listen, everything I listed, those are all good things, but they're what we do after this best thing. What makes a godly man is confessing your sin to God 
and trusting wholeheartedly that when Jesus died on the cross, he paid the penalty for your sin, and when he was resurrected, he now lives in heaven, and he has the power to free you from bondage and captivity to it, and where you once deserved to be crushed for your sin, instead in him you now receive mercy. If you want to be a godly man, first, believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ. You can do all kinds of other things and fail at godly manhood. So godly manhood isn't isn't actually first about what you do at all. It's about grabbing hold of what Jesus Christ did. Uh, the writer of Hebrews uses this analogy of, of being part of, a, of a, the household, a household of God to describe the faithfulness of God. And so it uses the example of a human. It, it takes the, the Old Testament figure of Moses, uh, who is part of God's household, and it says he was faithful in that. But as a man, his faith was limited. But then Hebrews 3.6 says, But Christ was faithful as a son over his household. And we are that household if we hold on to our confidence and the hope in which we boast. So you are among the faithful of God men. You are among the faithful of God when your confidence is not in yourself or your own abilities, but when your confidence is in Jesus Christ. If you can rightly order yourself under Christ, the rest of godly manhood will take care of itself. So men, let's be among those faithful few and grab hold of Christ. Same thing is true of women. You actually get one of the best chapters in the Bible, though, women. This comes at the end of Proverbs. Proverbs 31 praises kind of the ideal woman. Starts in verse 10, kind of a similar rhetorical question to who can find a faithful man. The question that's asked of of men in in 20 verse 6 is similarly asked of women in 31.10. Now my translation says, an excellent wife who can find. Look at Proverbs 31.10, an excellent wife who can find. Uh, I don't like that translation for two main reasons. Uh, Number one, it's kind of weird and sloppy English, isn't it? It's a little Yoda-y. An excellent wife, who can find? I was going to do a Yoda, and I, I, I shouldn't do a Yoda. But it, it, that's how Yoda speaks. An excellent wife, who can find? That, that's not how we speak. Number two, though, much more important than the Yoda thing. Uh, the Hebrew word that most tra- translations render wife can actually be rendered just as woman. Now, wife is probably chosen because it's within the realm, there's some things about being married, and and it's a word typically used for wife. It's a less common word used for women. So, for instance, when we looked at Genesis 1.27 in the creation of men and women, uh, a different word is used for woman than here. But you can translate this, and Hebrews, Israelites, could have understand this as just an excellent woman or a noble woman who can find. So there are things about being a good wife in here, but that doesn't mean we have to conclude that we're only talking to wives. This can just be talking to women that's absolutely within the lexical range of this word. And as you go on to read Proverbs 31, 
Much of the same things that we said about men is said here of a woman who fears God. Uh, The second half of this chapter uh, works in what's called a a chiasm. It's kind of a, a, a V. You start out with one thing, you work toward the middle, and then you work back repeating those same things. It helps you remember it. It helps it emphasize these good things. And so it says all these things. It says them kind of at both the front end and the back end of this chapter. Uh, It says that a godly woman works hard, verses 13 to 15. Verse 16, it says that a godly woman is wise, makes good financial decisions. Verse 17, she is strong. Actually, I, I I like what it literally says. It says she reveals that her arms are strong. Uh, this is my wife. Not really this whole chapter is my wife. But my wife is like way stronger than I think she is. She kind of keeps it low-key. But I'll be, I'm kind of bad at this. I'll, I'll say things like, oh, that's probably too heavy. Just leave it there and I'll come back for it. And she's like, now nah, just pick it up and I'll carry this thing too. Um, so women, don't be afraid to have guns. You know what I'm saying? Reveal, godly, reveal that your arms are strong. Uh, the next verses say that godly women are generous. They look out for those who are in need. So godly women bless other people. And in the same way that it's for men, women, you can hear this list, and we can add a few more things from Proverbs 31 to it. You can hear this list and and do every one of these things and still not actually be a godly woman. This is the verse we started with. A woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. To fear the Lord is to know that what defines you is not your husband or your job or your children or your household or anything else in this world. A godly woman is defined by Christ and nearness to him. You can try to find the picture-perfect life. But if you're doing that apart from the rest and the assurance that only comes from being found in Christ, you will have missed out on the most important thing. Uh, There's a a New Testament scene where Jesus goes to the the home of two women. And one works very hard to serve him and others, which is not bad. The other sits with Jesus and enjoys his company. And Jesus says that the one who sat with him, listened to him, and enjoyed their time together. She was the one who chose most wisely. So it's not wrong to be a busy person, a busy woman. But make sure you're not busy at the expense of intimacy with Christ. And this brings us, for both men and women, to our last section, which will be the shortest. Faithfulness and what is promised to the faithful. Men and women who fear God are promised a future with Him. Some of the the strongest pressures we face will come to us because of our manhood or our womanhood. Uh, Men are told to be a certain way. You know, often kind of hard-charging, commanding, even disconnected. And honestly, I think it's so much harder for women. 
because women kind of get it, get it from both sides. Uh, I've seen women who want to devote themselves to their family and their home, and they're made to feel that that decision is sort of outdated and silly. And then I've seen other women who want to use their talents in a, in a professional place be told that they're abandoning their true responsibilities. I mean, do you see how it's just cutting from both, cutting in from both sides? Pressure, because of the very nature of our womanhood or, or our manhood, is, is real. And when it comes to that, uh, may we look, church, may we not look to the world around us, but may we fear God and seek what is faithful to him. So men, be faithful to that which you have called. There are things in the scriptures that do set the course for godly manhood. And there are things in the scriptures that set the course for godly womanhood. But for men, that does not mean that you need to be kind of aloof and disconnected, insensitive and uninvolved. In fact, you shouldn't be. For women, perhaps you feel that to honor God is to work primarily in the family and in the home. Praise be to God for that. This is what we've chosen for this stage in our family. Perhaps you feel that you have talent and want to work in the professional world. That's what my own mom, who's a godly woman, did for many, many years. Very accomplished in in her field. She's a godly woman. Women, you can use the talents you have, and obey the call of God in many different ways. What we have to be sure to do is not look to the world to define who we are, but to look to Christ for our biblical manhood and womanhood. And listen to what Proverbs promises when we do. This is twenty-three seventeen. Let not your heart envy sinners, but continue in the fear of the Lord all the day. Surely there is a future, and your hope will not be cut off. God has a hope for you, and he's made that hope secure through Jesus Christ. Godly men look to Christ's faithfulness. Godly godly women fear him and draw near to him, knowing that they will find acceptance and grace in Christ. So men, let's be those kind of men. I wish there were more. Proverbs says there's only going to be a few. Not going to be an abundance of honorable women either. But there can be many in here. So so let's do this, church. There's a lot of pressure based on whether we're a man or whether we're a woman. Much of it is ungodly and comes from the world. So let's be a church that encourages one another in the ways of biblical manhood and womanhood. And let's do that a lot. Women, uh, you're, you're told to do it elsewhere in the scriptures, but men, there's actually, uh, children actually, in fact, uh, men and children, there is a proverb about praising their wives and praising their mothers for their biblical womanhood. Proverbs thirty-one twenty-eight says, Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also. So if you want to know where to start, 
There's a command here in Proverbs for you. If you are married or have a godly mother, praise her today. First, because she deserves it. Second, do it for the sake of Christ and the gospel. It makes much of Jesus when we do this. But let's all do this. It can be tough out there. We need this. Tell good, godly men that you praise God for their faithfulness. Encourage them in that way. Tell women who fear the Lord that they're a great example. Build one another up as men and women. Praise be to God for making us, in his image, male or female, and teaching us what it means to know and to love him. We would be lost without him telling us these things. So praise be to God for this. Let's pray together, and we're going to share in the Lord's Supper. God, may your name be praised. I thank you for the men and the women of this church. There are fewer than there ought to be faithful men, but I know so many in this precious church. It might be hard to find a God-fearing woman in the world, but there are so many sisters in Christ in this church. I pray that we would build one another up. For men, lead us in the way that honors you. For women, direct their paths. Give them assurance that when they give themselves first to you. They bless others, a family, if they have one, and the many, many people around them. It is a joy. It is a balm to the soul. It is a great gift to see a man or a woman who knows you, walks in faith, and fears you. May you raise more up here, Lord Jesus. May we encourage one another as we see the growth happening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
Our Savior is a congregation located in Wheeling, Illinois. Our vision can be summed up in four words, building community, bringing Christ. To learn more about this vision and our hope for our neighborhood, visit us online at osefc.org.